Hello and welcome into BTN's Take 10 Podcast. This is Alex Rue of BTN. This week's guest is former ACC Player of the Year, star Maryland Terrapin basketball player, Gravis Vasquez. Let's get into it. Take a look, listen, and enjoy. Look at here, look at here. With the catch, the finish! Oh my goodness, what a catch! Oh Energy, my goodness. enthusiasm. If you've ever thought about a career in sports, check out the master's program in sports administration at Northwestern University. You can build your skill set and your network in evening or online classes. Find out more at sps.northwestern.edu slash sports. And now, Gravis Vasquez. All right, I'm very pleased to be joined by a former All-American from Maryland basketball, ACC player of the year, seven-year NBA vet. It's Gravis Vasquez. Gravis, how are you, man? I'm great, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Very excited. Thanks so much for joining me. Glad to have you on uh, BTN Podcast, big ACC guy. We'll get into your, your hooping days in just a second, but before we get going, saw on social media you la- launched a fundraising campaign to buy medical protective equipment, um, you know, obviously in these, these times. So can you tell us about that and how maybe listeners can get, get involved and help if they want? Yeah, yeah. I was in Italy. Uh, a couple months ago, I had surgery on my right ankle, trying to get healthy still. So I was doing rehab and doing really well. And all of a sudden, the pandemic just started going crazy. And, and the center of the pandemic at that time was Italy. So I had to basically uh, run away and come to, to the States. That was a miracle. Flying from Italy to United States was, uh, it was a movie, literally. I mean, I, I've never been scared in my life. Uh, but I was, so I got to New York, then I'm based in Miami, my family, my kids, my wife here in Miami. So, uh, and then all of a sudden the whole pandemic uh, star center in, in the United States. So I'm from Venezuela originally, and um, I see I've lived through this pandemic very, very close since I, since I was in Italy a couple months ago. So I see it with contagious and, 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 and really being scared and, and seeing how the whole pandemic developed. So I thought about my, my own country and, and the people that is living in Venezuela so right now. So I worked them in, in, into a campaign with the Red Cross of Venezuela. And they have more than 125 years working with a lot of people in Venezuela, people in need, people that are sick or people that as of right now is contagious with the virus. So they have more than 4,000 volunteers. So what we're trying to do with this campaign is to collect funds and, and, and trying to get funds so we can buy medical stuff so so we can protect these volunteers in Venezuela so they, they can go out go out and help people we need, people that are sick. They don't have to be sick necessarily with, with the virus, but sick. So well, we have to protect them so they can go outside and do all these, everything they do for people in need. So for a, a People, uh, athletes, big athletes in Venezuela, like Miguel Cabrera, Jose Altuve. Uh, we have big, big baseball players back on, and they've been helping. Uh, the campaign is doing really well. Uh, just show how united we are uh, as a people, as, as a culture. So 
uh, I'm excited. It's been pretty good. And um, any, any support is on my social media, my, on my bio. It's a, it's a link that you can click and it will give you steps how you can do a donation. It doesn't have to be, we're not trying to collect millions of dollars, but we're trying to help. That's the biggest thing. So uh, if you go to any of my social media, uh, I grade this basket, you're going to see a, a link on my bio that you can click and it will tell you the steps how you can donate money. All right, definitely encourage our listeners to help out if they can. It's an awesome cause. And like you said, uh, a lot of big name athletes come out of Venezuela. So it's great, you know, that you guys are, are giving back. Um, you mentioned you're in Miami now and you had surgery on your ankle. What else have you been up to these days? I know you've been trying to get back from that injury for a while, but fill the listeners in on, on what you've been up to since the last time we saw you on a basketball court. Well, I've been, I mean, up to lately with my family. I was in Italy. Uh, I was trying to coach. I was trying to do the coaching thing, but I wasn't. I was ready mentally, but my body was now because the ankle still. And I still believe that I got a little bit more for, for in the tank for me to play basketball. So it's hard to 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 find a balance yet because I still feel like I I can do it if I can if I get healthier. And I don't care whether it's the NBA or any league in the world. I just got way too much basketball in me for just to. Leave it, leave it as it is, as it is right now. So, uh, the last three and a half years, I've been trying to get healthy, um, traveling a, a lot around the world until I finally find a doctor that I that I felt comfortable. I was in Bologna, Italy, remember, and then I started my rehab in Bologna, and it's been almost six months. Uh, my ankle is feeling a little bit better. Uh, I'm bone on bone without no cartilage. It's, it's a tough injury. So now I have a little space and they, they recreate the, uh, the cartilage. And I'm, as of right now, the, the, actually the virus is helping me to buy time. You know, since I'm at home working out every day, rehabbing every day, uh, it's, it's making me feel much, much better. And plus I'm with my wife and my kids. So that's a huge plus because I, I, was, I was so going crazy trying to, you know, uh, going around the world, going around the states, just to find a, a, the right doctor, and I couldn't really spend that much time with my family. And then before that, I was playing in the NBA. So uh, my family, I really love my family, the way they support me, and and, and the way that they handle my whole situation. So it's been great. As, as right now, it's been great. Uh, I need more time. Of course, is making progress and progress and progress. So we'll see how, how I feel in the next 10 months. And, and since then, uh, I will make a decision whether I continue to play or, you know, what's, what's ne what, ne what is next in my career. Yeah, and the reason I reached out to you for this interview, you know, not only because you're a star or you were a star at a major college basketball school from the Big Ten, but, I mean, I, I knew you from the ACC days and know what you could do on a basketball court and how, how good you were. But we need to – you know, maybe educate some of these Big Ten fans who didn't follow the ACC as closely <laughs> about how good you were, Gravis. So, so what do you want, you know, Big Ten fans to know about, you know, now the Big Ten champs, Maryland, how those ACC days were and what they meant to you hooping for Maryland back in, uh, you know, the late, I guess, the late aughts and, and early 2010s? It meant, it meant a lot for me, you know, the best four years of my life. Um, I got better not only as a player, but as a person as well. The biggest story about I am a kid from Caracas, Venezuela, you know, uh, where the country where anyone plays baseball, biggest sports baseball. So no, no, you can't really hear much about basketball until right now. So when I came to the States, I went to high school in Montrose Christian School, and they're all graduating 
uh, from high school with uh, with Kevin Durant. So we had a great we had a great senior year. So I told you how I, I ended up being in Mar at Maryland. One day I was doing my homework in the living room. I was, I was staying in the house where all the international players used to stay. So I'm doing the homework. I'm doing my homework and watching a game Duke against uh, Maryland. And I see Gary going crazy. Gary Williams, like my coach, I call him my dad. I will say. And I see, I see Gary going crazy, yelling and, and cussing people out and whatever. <laughs> and I go, I want to play for that coach. I, I, I would love to play for that coach. Two weeks up, we have an open period in Montrose. Obviously, that's rules and all that stuff. So I remember Coach Better, my high school coach, Stu Better, Hall of Famer, great high school coach, uh, tells me, hey, meet me at my office. I got to talk to you. So when Coach Better tells me that, I'm going like, I haven't done anything wrong, so why, why, I haven't cheated on a test, or I haven't done anything crazy. So why, why is he telling me to go to his office? I got nervous. I'm like, no, he's just sending me home. So while I'm, while I'm walking to the, his office, and between his office, it was a gym where we used to work out, lift weights and all that stuff. So it was Gary Williams waiting, uh, waiting for me, and he offered me the, the letter of intent and, and the scholarship to go to uh, the University of Maryland. So in my case, I dream about going to a school in the United States and all of a sudden I get a scholarship from the University of Maryland from the man and only Gary Williams. So to me, uh, true. And, and that was a dream uh, that, that came through for me and, I, and my life. From that moment, I couldn't go to sleep. And from that moment, my life changed completely to this point because uh, my four years of basketball in Maryland and, and as a student athlete was a tremendous experience. Yeah, you stayed all four years. You got better and better. You know, more and more these days, a lot of kids might leave and try and test the professional waters. Sometimes it's too early. Sometimes it's the right moment for them. So, so what do you have to say about being a guy who stayed all four years, who got better each year, who, who became a legend, really? And, and what is there to be said about uh, getting your degree and, and, you know, putting in that time? I will say this. I think you have to think uh, about your family, about yourself. And you have to be secure. It's not that many LeBron James, Stephen Curry, Zion Williamson, and these number one picks, the top 10 picks. So to me, it's about playing your cards the right way. Because, and, and you're not only thinking about the moment or making money in, in, in that particular moment. You have to think about right now. Imagine my network right now and the things that I can do when I'm done with basketball. I can go back to Maryland and get a job around the school or in the school. So to me, you have to be very mature about these decisions. Like don't, don't get a basis of, a, of an emotion that you've got to make it to the NBA. Yes, we all have that dream when, when, we, when we're little, hey, we, we want to make it to the NBA. But for me, it was perfect. I wanted to get, I wanted to get my education and I wanted to fulfill my dreams. And I wanted to play basketball. I love the game of basketball. I love it so much. I, to, to this day, like, people still believe that I, that I won't be able to come back. And I don't, I don't give a crap. I don't care what people think about me. I, I care about how much I, how much I love the game, how much I respect the game, how much I love my family, and how much I do and control each work that I do. So to me, what I can tell these young players that are trying to make it to the NBA, Take your time. Take your time. What's for you is going to be for you. So if you can get your education and experience the game of basketball, 
in, in, in the college level, experience that. That's very important. If you're playing for the Big Ten, one of the best conferences in the whole United States, college basketball, then experience that. Don't try to leave another moment. The reason I made it to the NBA was the fact that I, I wasn't thinking about going to the pros. And no, I was, I was becoming the best player, but I was enjoying the ride. And I understand all these situations when you're trying to get to the money right away and you have the talent. Yes, do that, do yourself, do you, do your family and, and make the right decisions. But 90% of the players in the NBA are role players. When you play in the NBA, it's just two, two, two different levels. So to me, kids have to be conscious Parents have to be conscious and understand, like, it's more than money. It's more than a career. So what is your kid going to be in 20 years from now? You know what I mean? So, like, you have to analyze that. And to me, I made the perfect decision to come back my senior year. ACC Player of the Year, Bob Cousy Award, ended up being the best point guard in the whole nation. And that first pick in the draft was John Wall. So it worked perfectly. I live in Miami. I, I drive the car that I want. Uh, I mean, I'm living a dream still, and I haven't even played four years. So I haven't even made millions in four years. So I'm giving you the real. This, this game is a perfect game, but you have to do it right. And the decision comes early, early. That's what I'm going through a tough time with my injuries because I didn't take care of my injuries early in my career, early when I was a, a young player. So to me, when you're in college, Making the right decision is one of the most important things in your career. I don't care what you do after. It's only one Michael Jordan. It's only one LeBron James. It's only 10, 10 to 15 super superstars. The rest of the NBA, we all are role players, whether they like it or not, role players. So have fun at college, enjoy college, take care of college, take care of the academics, and do well because at the end of the day, it's more than basketball. You got me hyped now, Gravis. You got me wanting to go out and get some shots up right now. <laughs> right, some well, yeah. I, I go with you, though. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I remember you obviously giving buckets to teams like Duke and North Carolina and, and some of those great games from back in your days. Is it weird now to watch Maryland and see them in the Big Ten? Honestly, it is, but it's basketball. It is because I grew up watching a, a, no, I didn't grow up watching ACC. I played in the ACC. So as a player, you go, wow. But uh, when, you, when you start talking about Tom Israel, Michigan State, you know, you, you start talking about big powered programs in the Big Ten. And, and I said, right now, you can debate whether it's better than the ACC or not. I mean, obviously, you are playing the ACC. And, and it was a smart decision for the school to go to, uh, to the Big Ten. I think it's something new. We needed that, and we did it. And now we're in the Big Ten, a great conference. And uh, I, I enjoy the tournament. I enjoy Tommy. So he beat me. That's why I, I, he beat me my last college game of my career. So um, it doesn't really bother me at all. Uh, I'm, I'm forward to support my school to support the student athletes and, and, and do the, what's right for the student athletes. And to me, Big Ten ain't bad at all. I remember those battles, you know, for some reason it's always Duke that, that sticks out. Um, some of those games you guys had against them. I remember seeing them on ESPN and watching you guys play. And I'm sure a lot of Maryland fans hold those memories. Uh, you know, probably the most dear 
as well. So who would you say, um, just watching your alma mater these last you know, five to, to seven years, who would you say the, the Maryland's biggest Big Ten rival is now? Is it, is it Michigan State? Because, like you said, the end of your career, who, what, what team kind of you know, draws State. you in? MSU? MSU. MSU. MSU, I mean, tell me so is tell me so is something awesome. His program and and then what they do every year. I think um, you know what he's done with the program and yeah, he got some things, but I think I think he's done a great, 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 great job. And he won games, he proved that he can put players in the NBA, develop players and and win back games and so um, MSU to me is, is, is our rival right now. It's like the Duke and Maryland rival in a way because uh, they, some great battles. I mean, I, I beat Michigan State a couple of times. They beat me my last my last gig. So uh, I'm, I'm never going to forget that. That's what I have there in my head. So it's, it's kind of special. And at the, at the same time, if you want to get, if you want someone to beat you, hey, you want in college, you want Tom Mason to be the guy, you know, and, and he did it. And credit to him. And you guys split that Big Ten title this year, Maryland's first uh, first Big Ten championship. Uh, Gravis, you're, you know, you mentioned you're from Caracas. Uh, I'm curious, how did you end up in the state of Maryland for high school? How did you end up on the same team as KD? How did that opportunity come about? Well, it was – I went to a, a program called NBA Without Borders. And um, a guy – I met a guy there, his – Name is Arturo, a good friend of mine, and now they want to play in Europe or you want to go to, to the United States to go to school. So at the time, we were trying to get me to Washington State, to a high school in Washington State, because the plan was for me to go to Gonzaga first. Uh, Tommy Lloyd was uh, a guy that used to recruit me big time. He's one of the assistant, the head associate uh, assistant in, in Gonzaga. So uh, at the end, they find me a school was Montrose Christian with two better and David Atkins, and then and they thought I was six eleven, and I was only six five, six four, six five, skinny dude. So when I got to Montrose, um, far away from Washington State, from Tommy, and, and they really did help me a lot, tremendously. A kid from Caracas that have zero money. They never gave me any money, but they were trying to put me in situations where I was be able to develop my my academics and, and my game. And and they and they, and they had a huge controls and Stu Vetter and David Atkins. Imagine took a Stu really changed my whole point of view of life. Like I went to a Christian school where people really were supporting me and being nice and. And then uh, the experience of playing with KD, you know, imagine a kid that couldn't really afford my uh, shoes, like Jordan shoes, and all of a sudden the, my high school team is sponsored by Jordan. Brother, I'm living a dream. I'm blessed. I, I'm, I, I, like, I tell this story, and then, yeah, you want to go out there and work out with me because you were like, why? I didn't have that, that many resources. I, I, like, I was working with my nail, basically, and I get to Montrose, and... Jordan, sponsored by Jordan and, and, and playing top 10 in the country. And then all of a sudden, my, my going to my senior year, I have to take extra, uh, extra, extra credits, you know, because my, the language barrier, because I couldn't speak any English at all. Also, KD is transferring to Montrose. I ended up playing my whole senior year with KD. Still good friend, brothers for life. Great guy, great family, great story. Deserved everything he got and ended up winning 
uh, our last high school game against Oak Hill. We beat his uh, former team in, in D.C., one of the best high school games in D.C. history. So I started out being the kid from Caracas with basically zero opportunities to searching opportunities and taking advantage of the opportunity and then going to Maryland. And, and the, experience to play, the experience of playing high school basketball in the States and, and graduating from high school with Kevin Durant was was a blessing. I mean, I, I can't thank God enough for, for putting me in situations where I was I was successful. Did you know, playing alongside KD in high school, that he would be All-NBA, you know, MVP, that level totally. of player? You know? no, no, no doubt. I'll tell you why. He, he, he was a kid at the time, like me, man. Like when Timo had the psychic fun, he used to, you know, hang out with the son. And, and he used to come early. We used to work out before our first period, our first class. So we used to work out like around 7, 6.45, 7 a.m. So he used to get to our house, the international house, where they, all the international players used to stay because he was coming early. His mother had to drop him off. Sometimes he was taking the train or, or the bus. I mean, KD, has, he had a normal life. Like, he struggled. Uh, his life wasn't that easy. That's why, like, this is a big story. He, his family wasn't uh, rich or wealthy or anything like that. So they had to really grind, grind with him and, and help him. And, and, and I admire his mother and his father and, and his whole family because I met him. I met all of them. So his work ethic, his will to uh, for the game, he he is is obvious. Obviously, he's way too talented. Six. And um, skill, he can dribble like a point guard, shoot like a shooting guard, and and who was going to be able to guard him? No one. So, but the most impressive thing about KD was his heart. He was a guy that very, very, uh, it, it, very mellow guy, very nice guy, uh, very sensitive in, in terms of like, you know, being a normal human being. So, and, and he expressed that in nowadays. So it was it was a great experience for me to to be his teammate, his brother, and and now I can call him yay. And now then play against him in the NBA, <laughs> almost almost beat him to go to the conference finals in the NBA, my rookie year, and and we had some great battles too. Yeah. So after playing, you know, in the NBA as long as you did, seeing what it takes to be successful at that level, I'm going to ask you about two Maryland guys who have NBA dreams coming out this past year: uh, Anthony Cowan, the point guard obviously your position, and uh, Jalen Stick-Smith. What do you think about those guys' potential making it at the next level? I, I think they got a good chance. I think uh, I, I, I'll be pretty general. I think they both play in a great conference. They play against a great competition, which is very important when you, when you, when you want to scout. Uh, they've done well the past, this past year. So, to me, they develop into mature players that can help an NBA team win games. Like I say, it's, everyone is role model. Like we got role, everyone is a, a role player in the NBA. If they are, they're coming in, they understand that. I think it, it won't be any, it won't be bad for them to, you know, get a backup situation where they can help a team and eventually they can develop into a, 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 a players that, or players that can, you know, main team in the NBA. I mean, to me, those two, those two players, they have the, they talented enough to help and, and, and stay in the NBA and uh, help a team win basketball games. To me, that's what people look uh, at players in, uh, they start looking at players in, in college, like, can these players help us with the stars that we have, with, with, with our main core players, help these players to win games. 
I think the biggest the biggest asset for those two players is that they they they're gonna they they will be able to help a team win games. To me, that's that's very important. All right, before we let you go, Gravis, I'm curious, what is your favorite basketball memory from the NBA, and then your favorite basketball memory from your college days at Maryland? I will say this: my favorite college day memory was when Gary, after we won a game, he told me, Coach Williams told me, hey, "You shouldn't you shouldn't ball way too much," and I'm like. I was always just there. Like, uh, me and Gary had this relationship. It was more than basketball. So I'm like, okay, that's what you think? I respect that. You're the, you're the head coach. So my, my the assistant, his assistant, one of his assistant coaches, uh, his name is Rob Eason. He was, uh, he was my player developer coach. I was like, bro, I'm, I'm shooting too much. I mean, we won. We're winning games. I have to shoot. So he goes like, yes, you are shooting too much. You have to get your teammates better. You have to get everyone around you better. So I took it personal. You know, you know my career. You know me. I'm I'm very competitive. So like, I wasn't taking crap for anyone. So I like, you guys want me to be, you guys want me to be the best point guard in the, in the conference? Okay, cool. The following game was against Clemson, so I didn't take any shots. So going into halftime, I have 12 assists. We winning the game. We rolling. I got everyone better. We hitting shot left to right. So. We go into the locker room at halftime, so uh, Gary talks to us, and everyone is going out again to warm up. And Gary was like, "Hey, Gravest, I say you're taking too many shots. I didn't say no, don't not to take shots. I was like, hey, you told me not to take shots. I, I, maybe I couldn't I couldn't understand your English or anything, but I. I so then I ended up scoring five field goals at the end. But I ended up having 17 assists, which was a career high for me in assists. So I, I never forget that because that was that's who I am, like a competitive guy that 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 you have to challenge me to get the best of me. So that's why I always love Gary. Uh, in the NBA, um, this is why I mean I, I finished with this. Um, the biggest thing for me was getting drafted. So that that night, the the night of the draft, NBA draft. I remember going into New York with no money. I told my, my agent, uh, Herb Rudolph, like, can you fly my family? Because I want my family to experience this. So like a kid, like with no money, nothing, I going into the hotel room, one hotel room, double bed for my whole family for two nights. And then I'm walking into the lobby to the Western Hotel by Times Square. Uh, I see KD, Kevin Durant. So in the lobby, some like KD was like, Oh, you're gonna get drafted tonight. I know you're gonna get drafted tonight. Cause they, they they don't know you, but I know you. I know you're gonna get drafted tonight, and I'm gonna I'm gonna throw you a party after you know you draft night. So I'm like, he might know something that I don't know. So I go to my room. We all get ready right away. And then I had a limousine waiting for me downstairs. I'm like, no, no, I'm walking. So I walk from from the western to to the Madison Square Garden. Sunny day. Sweating, nervous, with my whole family, my mom, my dad, my brother, my high school coach, friends, walking. I'm like, I worked hard. I, 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 I did 30 job interviews with 30 different teams with the same suit, the same watch, the same shoes, the same everything, just to show discipline and professionalism. So then I'm going to get drafted tonight. You know, NBA draft, they have like 15 tables with the, the, the guys are going to get drafted the first 15 uh, so I sat with the set with the fans. I don't know if you guys watched my draft night in 2010. So I sat with the fans, and then all of a sudden, the 15th pick comes, 
and then uh, the commissioner comes out, David Stern comes out, and great guy, unbelievable guy, changed the NBA for better, for the great, for the best of best. So he comes out, and I'm thinking that they were going to drop me and, and the 15th pick, the Memphis Grizzlies, because my Herbert called me, my agent, so I'm like, oh, you, you, might come, you might come up right now. And then all of a sudden, just, it was another player. So my heart got broken. I'm like, whoa, I'm not going to get dropped in the first round. This is, this is going to be brutal for me. Why you, why, how can you brought your family? Yeah, you should have brought your family here. You, you made a huge deal. And, and all of a sudden, the 28th pick comes. And Mr. David Stern come, come on and goes with the 28th pick from Caracas. Venezuela, Maryland, the Memphis Grizzlies select Gravy's Vasquez. That was the greatest night of my life. That, that's, that's how I started my rookie year in the NBA. That's how I start. That's how I realized that dreams actually come true. And to me, that was that was a memorable night, remarkable night for me. And then everything there, everything from there, from that point on was amazing. I said my injury, because I wouldn't be playing right now. I still have the talent to play. But it's, it happens, it's part of the business, but I'm a happy kid, I'm blessed, and I, I'm thankful for this opportunity. I'm big 10 because I support my family, so thank you so much. And I lied, Gravis, I have one more question for you because I would be, I would kick myself if I didn't ask you this because I saw a video from two years ago, I believe, when you were at a Maryland game and you got the mic during, during the game and yelled, uh, you know, I am Maryland pride. That was one of the most hype things I've ever seen. The whole crowd's going nuts. Why uh, did you yell that? And like, what came over you in that moment? And, you know, just why were you able to get the crowd going like that? Just in a, in a break man, in the action. I am Maryland pride, man, because I'll tell you why. Because what came to my mind was the fact that I was struggling with, with the language is still my, my, my freshman year in college. All the professors really supported me. The whole coaching staff, the whole Maryland family, the students, everyone really supported me. They, 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 made me feel, they made me feel like I was part of the family, man. I was struggling. It was hard to take English as a second language. And, and the rest of your teammates, uh, as a freshman, they were just taking big classes. So I had a, a really tough, tough path. So that's why I, I, I see myself back in Maryland. Uh, I mean, I see myself working for the school. I see myself doing with the school. And, and I am Maryland prior because I, I basically never paid the school back for everything that the school did for me. I mean, I'm very thankful. And, and to me, uh, I'm a humble guy that, that, that values opportunities and take advantage of opportunities. And Maryland was something that is always going to be in my heart. It's my pride. So I, I connect with the fans right away. I connect with my people. I connect with my Maryland fans and my Maryland, my Maryland family right away because they know it's real. They know I'm all about fighting for my school and, and, and representing my school. All right, Gravis. Well, you've been very generous with your time. I kept you a little longer, but I appreciate every minute of it. This was a lot of fun. And best of luck, you know, getting back to the league. Definitely be rooting for you uh, from BTN. Thank you. Thank you. Support, guys. Thank you. All right. Thanks once again to Gravis for joining the show. Thank you for bearing with some audio difficulties that came from the Zoom call. Um, but it's an awesome interview with Gravis. He's, he was a blast to talk to. Extra synergy. And I know that came through um, over the interview. So 
Appreciate him and appreciate everyone for joining, tuning in. And also, I'll give a shout out to Julie Bronder, as always, for producing the show, especially from home, as we uh, continue to work from home during the pandemic. So we'll continue to create content for you guys, churn out episodes. So hope you keep listening. Until then, talk to you next time here on the Take 10 Podcast.